Hello and welcome to this week's Super Ed's podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty. Our regular pundit, Sean O'Gohalpin, is unavailable tonight, but I'm glad to be joined by former Leitrim keeper, Martin McHugh. Welcome on board, Martin. Hello, Denise. How are you this evening? I'm grand. Listen, Martin, first of all, speaking of Leitrim, we have to start with your county's win in the Laurie Mara final. What a win. You know, I'm delighted for Martin Kniff and the people down there that have, that have kept hurling going in the county. Uh, it's, a, it's a great day for hurling in general for, for Leitrim because uh, the manager, his uh, selectors, the team, they've been knocking on a door for the last couple of years, if not longer, like, you know, and they're, they're getting setbacks and losing the odd game by a point or two and, and you know, they, they kept coming back every year trying to uh, achieve success and I'm, I'm delighted for them now and, and they got that success yesterday in Crow Park. It's just great to see uh, that the captain and his team is going up to that stand in Crow Park and lifting the the Laurie Mara Cup. Well, that's it. That's what it's all about. Also, have to mention Sligo. They followed them by claiming uh, the Nicky record. What an achievement for them. I know Colm O'Mara and he is a passionate hurling man and he has tr- helped transform the Yates County while Mead then won the Christie Ring. So we kind of had predicted that from early on. Martin, we're going to go through the weekend's games before we have a, a chat with yourself. In the qualifiers, Kildare had an easy win over Antrim. Leash beat Derry, which I thought was going to be a tricky one. Uh, two first half goals set Tyrone on their way to victory over Longford. Four between them in the end. Westmead beat Limerick. Leitrim found the going tough against Clare. Armagh defeated Monaghan and Mio beat down. Offaly then beat Sligo. No major surprises, Martin. Not really. I think that they, when the draws are made now, I say people are thinking about their Monaghan again. Mm. Uh, which are near neighbours, uh, meet, meet each other nearly every year, every second year in, in the Ulster Championship. And, um, Armagh, uh, put to uh, Monaghan and, and Monaghan no answers for them. They, they, mm. they couldn't match the, the power and the pace Armagh had. And Armagh wanted to win it more than Monaghan. And in the end, they got, the manager of Monaghan stepped down. So I think he'd done what he could, he could do with Monaghan. So Armagh move on and Monaghan have to go back to uh, the drawing board for next year. Yeah, um, speaking about uh, Malachi O'Rourke stepping down, he really did transform Monaghan, you know, over the last couple of years. But as you said, I think, you know, the defeat to Cavan was hard to take. And then obviously losing to Armagh, he felt, as you said, he has taken them as far as he can. Yeah, he done throw him out to work for the last couple of years, but like everything else, like you, you, a lot of these managers are aimed to get the best out of the players and bring home some silverware. And when you got nothing last year or this year, I think mm. he probably said to himself, he's he's done what he, he could, and it's time to step aside and, and let somebody take over the reins. Because but you look at Man and the way have they the way they've come on the last couple of years, not a not a big county and not a lot mm. of clubs to pick from either, you know. So he's done Trojan work and he. he he did, he did what he did, like, you know, and it's time to step down, and he's stepping down on, on high. Yeah. We'll move on to the provincial finals. The tightest of them all was in Munster, where Kerry defeated Cork by three points. In Munster, Donegal defeated Cavan, and myself and yourself would have uh, been shouting for Cavan there. Then Dublin made it nine Leinster titles in a row. It was a really poor game. Like, Meade scoring just one point in the first half. Four points. You know, yeah. that is just a poor return. Poor Tom, but I was just listening to the boys at half time and they were saying like 
uh, possible and was saying like that the Dublin were just or just playing a second yeah. they weren't panicking and in the second half you could see Dublin players just they they, they took off their shackles and, and just ran at ran at the me defence and all that, you know, and me didn't know answer. I mean just score four points in the whole game and you you, you you wouldn't win a back a game in the back garden doing that. Yeah. No. That, that that's exactly it and I think you know some of the wise that kick were terrible like when you're playing Dublin when you get chances you have to take them well you have to take them I mean they, they got turned over a few times as well but I think they had 9 or 10 wise in the first half and 4 or 5 of them were easy wise like, you know that that's at that level now I guess a good team you have to take your chances and at least you have, you'll, you'll have a bit of a chance but when you, when you only score 4 points in the whole yeah. game you, you'll not go too far the Donegal game, you know, Donegal show their class, Cavan, you know, fair play to them, a bit like Longford, um, you know, they never gave up and, you know, they kind of left it, it tight at the end, but Donegal had done so much before that. Yeah, I think Donegal um, done enough during the whole game, but then again, I think Cavan might woo the, the, the few didn't miss chances they had themselves. Mm. Uh, did they really go at Donegal in the first half? I don't think so. Um, but then again, Donegal had that just pace and power yeah. to anything Cavan had. Now, Cavan, like, surprised everybody this year the way they, they came through. They'd also, they get to it also finally, like, you know, having big wins under the belt. And it's great for Mickey Graham yeah. and, and, and Jim McCabe and, and Martin Corey and the players as well to get to also final. So they have something themselves to work on now, uh, for next year in Division 2 and the next year's championship. You look at Kerry and Cork. When we look at Kerry against Clare the last day out, you know, Clare asked questions of them. And, you know, everyone thought it was going to be an easy win for them. And, and credit to Cork, because that's what Cork people want to see, is a bit of battle in that side. Well, everybody thought that the Kerry-Cork game would be uh, would be a wipeout now mm. for, for Kerry. And, and fair play to Cork now. They, they gave Kerry a, a real run for money. But I, I think uh, Pete and Creed now, the, the Kerry manager, be, he'd be a little bit worried now that they conceded three goals. Yeah. Now, and they thought they'd be very soft goals, you know. And me as a keeper now, be worried <laughs> too, you know. <laughs> but... Um, but like Claire, Claire really put up the carry as well themselves, and they only lost by a few points. Yeah. So Kerry uh, might not be as good as they are at the moment, but look, they're in, they're in the super eights now, and uh, it's only upwards for them now, and they'll be really tested now in the super eights, and we'll see how how well they get on there. Martin, we'll talk about yourself. Sport has played a huge part in your life. You played both football and soccer. It was actually a, the soccer. It was long for time where I got to know you. Uh, you've also done a bit of coaching, I suppose, when you finally gave, gave up the football and, and stopped playing, which that was only recently, was it the next step was into coaching? Yeah, well, I did a lot of coaching when I was uh, playing as well. Uh, mm. I was living in London, but I was, I was a coach at Kilishee. We won the Division 2. I done a lot of underage uh, coaching there in Trungish when I was living there as well, like, you know. And I just love doing it. I love being involved, uh, training teams and helping out anywhere I can. Like, you know, um, the last couple of years I've been uh, coaching goalkeepers as well because it's one position I know. I played in goals up there all my life. And when I eventually retired there only two years ago, <laughs> at the age of 47, uh, I still wanted to be involved because um, when I was sick and all that, it, it for me itself, it, it got me over hard times and all, you know. And I just love getting that phone call just to come in and give a team a talk and just help them with their, their goalkeepers with their, you know, the kickouts or the confidence or, you know, anything like that regarding the game because it, it, it can be a lonely play, uh, play Yes. Goals. I played there. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know yourself. So when you make a mistake, you're on your own. Yeah. There's no sympathy anywhere, you know. So I, I love doing I love being involved. You were at Castle Rahan and uh, the one... The, the the championship in Calvin, you know, they finally came of age. You know, they've been knocking on the door, and um, that would be Kiamaki's side. Did you enjoy being part of that? I love being involved with anybody. I know I, I live in Sligo, and it's an it's about an hour and a half drive, an hour and forty five minutes now uh, in the evening time now to go up training. But I, I love. I was I love being involved the last uh, two years um, because every time we went training there was thirty plus lads at training. Uh, there's a lot of work being done with the players themselves. I do the work with the goalkeepers, but there was good camaraderie there. Uh, we trained sometimes in Kells, which is another twenty minutes down the road for me as well. But I, I when I worked with the keepers, I could see that they were enjoying what I was doing with them, even though it was hard work. But they were finding the benefit of what I was doing with them, you know. Um, like last year they won the championship, but that was the fourth year in row cast yeah. to the final. And I gave them a bit of a, a yapping <laughs> <laughs> there the last year semi final. And not say what or what I'd done. And You're too much of a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, let's just say uh, uh, the, there's a few outparts of the Hail Mary said it. <laughs> but um, you know, they, they, they took note because, like, you know, it's only so many times you, uh, you can bring the horse to the well and make a drink because, you know, like getting the, tr- the three finals in a row was probably disheartening to them. But for a team to come back and, and get to the final at fourth year in a row, they did a water and let and pass. And it's great for the players in the parish. It's a small enough parish, like, you know, but it, it's great Great times all around, all around winning, the, winning the chapter. 1994. Everyone probably talks about it to you. <laughs> you do. You know, I think uh, it, it, last weekend, now the con final uh, between Roscommon and Galway, we were the guest of honour. It was our 25 years. So you're only a baby then? I was only a gossip, I was only 23 at the time. <laughs> and uh, we were guests of honour for the, for the game. Uh, we were presented to the crowd uh, just before the senior final. And uh, it was a great occasion for. All elite players, everybody was there by one. I think Colin Lynn just couldn't make it from America. He was just organised a couple of weeks before last yeah. weekend. Fair play now, everybody made it. And it was great to meet up with the lads and all that, and a bit of banter and all that. Remittance, remittance of uh, old times and running up Strand Hill. And <laughs> I don't think you'll get players to do that nowadays. I don't think so. When you look at the story of, of Leitrim and how you captured the Hearts back in 1994 and I remember it myself you know actually it was in England I remember watching it um, you know those fairy tale stories unfortunately the way football has evolved you're not going to get too many of them now No um, we were well I was delighted to be part of the panel that time because I remember the year before I spent I just wanted a break from the GA because the year before that I was involved with Leitrim under 21s and we won a kind of title under PJ Carroll but the amount of training we done that time was really hard and severe and, and, and playing club football as well I just wanted a break from a GA so I played club soccer with a Dine Maruski and I liked the soccer and I enjoyed the different type of training regarding the Gaelic training because it's all um, ball work with, with, with keepers and you have a bigger area to cover but then when I went back to Elite from 94 um, I found that to help me as well like you know so 
for us winning the championship in 94 is, is, is huge for the county because Leitrim people just love they love the, the football they love the GA scene and all that and any time Leitrim go well everybody jumps on board and, and drives the team on and that, that 94 season we had we had a game down in Cork down in Cork and Creeve and remember, I remember the day well <coughs> it was a hailstones halfway through the game but the crowd that was there, I think we outnumbered the Cork supporters five to one. There was, there was that many supporters there. So 1994 now we will we, we'll be talked about for a long, long time. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and even for for us in Longford, you know, we talk about it as well. You mentioned the soccer and Longford Town. You know, it's mad to think that this shy guy from Dublin, his first break was with Longford Town, and now he is going to be our next. Ireland, Republic of Ireland senior football manager, you know, when Mick McCarthy steps away. Yeah, Steve McKinney, like he, he I remember him there, he, he was, um, how would I put it, like you said, he was very shy, mm. um, he, he's still done his work, but he wasn't never, never barked at, at us, and he never really got over, by hot under the collar, like, you know, he just took me under the wings, under the guidance of uh, Stephen O'Brien, just keep it up there at the time. Yeah. And Digger, yes, that's him. And uh, we've got a few games there as well. But Stephen McKinney, like, he, he done things right. He done things real professional level. It's more like um, Peter um, Donovan when he came on the yeah. scene. Like, he just done things real professional and all that. Stephen was the same. He brought things, brought along for town to a different level altogether. And, you know, like, a co- couple of years after that, you, you got your, your, your rewards. Like, you know, so, you know, if you want to do things right, you have to get the managers in that, that know how to do it. You've had many's a battle on the field to play, but your biggest battle, Martin, was off the field you, when you were diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, um, yes, I had a, a tough battle, a tough life, a tough uh, few years now. And uh, 2009 was the first one I was uh, diagnosed with a testicular cancer in the start of the year. Um, you know, and, and it's a huge shock because um, I don't drink or smoke and I keep myself in decent shape. And I was still playing with Clungish at the time, mm-hmm. but even at, at the age of 39, which was a, I still think to myself at that time, what kind of an idiot am I, you know? <laughs> but, uh, and I'd say to you, what the hell are you doing here? I, exactly. I, I think I met you a few times, but Jesus, are you still here? Like, it's very tough now, but. There's no doubt about it. Uh, without the support of the family and friends that year, but really helped me. But for me personally, it was the GA uh, being involved with Clungish. Like I was a few away for a few weeks and months and all that. But during the treatment, and chemo and all that is really, really bad. It really got to me a lot, and I, I missed the crack and all that. Mm. And I remember one time in one session in particular, I just went down to say, "Lord, lads and all that." And and the managers asked me just say a few words to the, to the players because they're just going through a, a phase of uh, don't want to train and excuses coming in left, right, mm-hmm. and centre. And I just told the lad, just lad, look at me, I, I'm on the way out. Like and I just can't do nothing. Like you know. So I sort of said to them, if you get to the final, I'll be there. I'll bring the bed with me from the hospital to have but I will be there to support. And we did. Yeah, we got to the final. I talked out, hoping, <laughs> hoping that uh, Tulgish would win uh, by a few points. And I said to Stephen Walters, like, just give me, uh, let me on for 10 seconds. Take an entry, <laughs> let me on for 10 seconds. I can retire happily then. But <laughs> the game didn't go our way at all. And I give the lads a bit of a bark and a half time. Uh, again, very polite. Of course. Uh, we went out and won the game. And 
is really brilliant because uh, you know it's a great occasion because Paul brought me up. Li- 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 yeah, I thought that was lovely, Paul Barton. Yeah, oh, it's brilliant now. And and at that moment, at that uh, few seconds, when he's up there lifting a cup, that was the time I knew I bet cancer in that year. So it, it, was, it was a tough year, but it ended up in, in a good year for us. What goes through your head, Martin? You know, when you're told, as you said, you know, you didn't smoke, you didn't drink, you know, you as as an athlete and because you played, you know, for your county and for a League of Ireland club, you know, you looked after yourself well, when you're told that you have cancer. It, God, a lot of things going to go through your head, but, you know, you, you, will, you would say, like, I mean, why do I have cancer? Yeah, I why, mean, yeah. There's people out there drinking and smoking. There's people out there doing everything else. And I'm not saying I was no saint, like, you know, but still I never drank or smoked, like, you know, and I don't, I did, by then I didn't have any tattoos. <laughs> I went over the edge a small bit. <laughs> but, you know, you know, people ask me, what did you do? I just sort of moved on because I remember, I remember well on the day that I was told I had cancer because I had to go down for an ultrasound which is two hours after I was told I was diagnosed first and I had I rang my mother and told her the news and all that we were very upset but one thing she says was that like no matter whatever happens you're going to have support of your family and friends and your neighbours so that sort of helped me a small bit and I keep telling everybody like every day people diagnosed with cancer you know and it's no nobody wants to hear them words you have cancer so, like, you know, it, it's, it's really a bombshell, but it's really up to the individual if you want to take it head on or sit back in a corner and feel sorry for it. Yes. So I I took it head on anyway, and, and I took each day as it went anyway. And then when I, when I found more cancer in my testicle, I had testicular cancer in 2009. Uh, I didn't have prostate cancer in 2015. I was going to say that to you because, Jesus, you know, you had one thing and then all of a sudden you was another Strike, strike two. Like, but that's the thing. Like, when, when I got over the first one, I, I had a, you had, you're in remission for a couple of years. You have tests every, every uh, three months for the first three years. Then spreads over six months. And during that time, I didn't want to go back painting. I was a painter at the mm-hmm. time, so I had to force on healthcare. And now I work, I got a job in the hospital uh, as a care assistant. Oh. Yeah, that's what I do now. But for me to get a job in the hospital in Sligo, I had to get a letter from the doctor saying I'm healthy. So this is like 2015, a couple of years after being diagnosed the first time. So as usual, I go in and get my results and all that. And he tells me, you know, your liver's okay, your kidneys are okay. Oh, your PSA is up. And so to me, what the hell is a PSA? And that's related to your prostate. Yeah. And then another test came up and then I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. So, you know, and then when, when you, again, when you're diagnosed again with the cancer, you'll be going through your head, here we go again, chemo, radiotherapy, sickness, diarrhea, everything, like, you know, but we soldiered on. You know, it is amazing. And I remember you texting me, you know, telling me, you know, how, how you're doing and that. And I was like, you're just amazing because people talk about heroes and legends and things like that. And yeah, you can do so many things, great things on a field, but it's all about your battles off the field, Martin. And it's how you approach them that really that I have so much respect for you over that. I know, not just you, thanks for that, Denise, anyway, but I think everybody says that because I I, I only retired playing there uh, two years ago, mm. and, you know, I, I, I transferred back to Ocknashiel and just to play a bit of junior football, which I thought I'd be playing, 
I ended up playing an intermediate championship final uh, in 2017. And that year, I only went back training uh, when I was 13, nearly 38 and a half years old. <laughs> that I just, just do something to keep in shape and all that. And just like two years after the, the prostate cancer, mm. and my body was done. My body was in aches and pains, and I didn't want to do much. But I, I enjoyed doing a bit, the mm. small bit of training with the, with the lads in Hongshil and then working with the goalkeepers and showing them techniques and all that, you know. But the funny thing was, like, the two goalkeepers, one of them started the game. He got hurt in the warm-up. The second choice keeper winning the goals, he pulled his groin <laughs> midway, midway through the second half. So he soldiered on and he didn't, they wanted me to finish out the game and play the next league game because both goalkeepers were hurt. I says, yeah, I, I will, no problem, but don't expect too much because I'm playing with lads as half my age, you know. So, <laughs> but we won the game, which was great, like, you know, but the manager and his selector says, look, you keep at it because we're looking at the bigger picture. You know, I said, well, I'll try my best, but, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm heading for the 48 bracket, you know, and, uh, oh, sorry, 47, and, uh, look, I'll try my best anyway. But I enjoyed, I got the, the thrill again, yeah. and, and I was looking back in my life having cancer twice, and I says, what kind of an idiot am I playing with lads 20, 25, 30 years younger than me, you know? But the attention I was getting playing and training with you lads, at my age, at what I've been through, spurred me on. Yeah. I was liking it, you know. And then there was a bit of media attention, and then the Sunday World done a piece of me as well, and that drove me more. And then when the lads came back from injury, they played in goals. I said, it's a grand, no problem. It doesn't bother me one bit. But then <laughs> the, week, the last group game in the stage of the championship, the, the keepers make a lot of mistakes. He couldn't handle the pressures. And then David Casey, who was a manager at the time, asked me to warm up for 15 minutes. Going the game, and I said, David Casey, it should take me half an hour to warm up. So I had to do a quick warm up, and I got home for the last ten minutes of that, of that group game, and then he put me in goals for the quarter final, semi final, and the final of the championship, which was a, a great way to to we won the championship. So it was my first home club medal. Oh, I won a lot with Clunkish. Which yeah. was great. I never won anything in Ocknashiel, and it was just a nice way to to finish off my playing career, winning a kind of, winning a, a club title. You mentioned about the GAA, Martin, and how it's important to you, and you know, and I've seen it myself. I'm involved in my local club in Granard, and through hard times, you know, your sickness, death, all that. There is no place else you want to be only with your club there's just something about it just everyone just comes to you for me you know especially near near the latin latter stages of me of my playing career the it's the crack you still have like you know mm. i know the young lads have drawn drawn uh crack because they're, they're the youth of today they have <laughs> different different sayings now compared to my time but still you know they, 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 they can run everywhere but they still can't take a shoulder as <laughs> But it's, it's, so, but then we have the ice baths after training and it doesn't bother me. I just jump into an ice galore and these little, and there's a scrawny legs on them and all that. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's good crack and, and it's good banter, like, but it's like you said, like, if you didn't have the GA, and like, if you yeah. didn't have the GA or the, your, your, your work, what would you be doing? 
you know, like, and I, and the, the scary thing is, I can still play. I can, I like, mm. work with the goalkeepers in, in Castle again this year. I'm helping keepers in Kidlas Scales and Prince Park in, in, um, in Roscommon, like, you know, and I, I showed them how, what I do and how I do the kickouts and all that. And I can still kick the ball out 60 yards, you know, so. As, as for doing laps, the laps, we need to bring me a taxi to bring me around. <laughs> a tracker would be no good on you, no. <laughs> no, geez, the, the lumber will be very low on my track or anything, but, but, uh, the, the, look, the, the GA is, is, is a great place to be. It's a great camaraderie. And, mm. you know, when you, when you do eventually retire, like, you know. You <laughs> I love that you eventually retire. <laughs> I know. But you have great memories of, of, of looking back on your career. And like, when Lee came around Crow Park there, uh, if you, uh, for the league final, yeah. you know, I press box for Shannon's side and, and I enjoyed being up there because I came across a, a, a couple of pundits out there and said, oh, you're Mark McEwen. I said, yeah, I'm, I heard about your story. And I mean, mm. it's not just the local stuff we, you hear. It, it's getting out there now. Yeah. And it's something I like to, to try and get out more is like in my free time, I do go around the schools and all that and give talks to the TYs because really they're the future, like, you know. Yeah. And tell me a story and, and every school comes out comes back saying it's a great story that's what I was going to say to you Martin especially with young lads and I remember a couple of years ago um, a footballer Gary O'Neill um, had testicular cancer he he came out and the footballers in the league soccer they produced a calendar because there's one thing about guys guys with uh, health we have mental health just general health it's something that they kind of brush it off and you have to get out there to tell them, you know, to check yourselves, you know, to watch out for the signs. But this, this is the, the big story. This is why I did love telling a story. Like, I tell a story as it is. Like, you know, I, I'm not a doctor and I'm no psychologist or anything like that. I just tell my story as it is, what happened to me and how I moved on from it. And it goes on for an hour or so. But I always finish off by saying, like, it, 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 you really have to check yourselves out yeah. because... You know, you can't go into a shower and then ask your mother or ask your wife to come in and do your text for you because, you know, it's you yourself have to do it. Like, you know, and, and let's call it spade a spade. Like, you know, men are men. Yeah. We are different. Like, you know, if we find a lump or if we are so back or so leg or so butt cheeks, like, you know, <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll be gone in the morning. It'll be yeah. gone next week. Like, you know, and my story is like, you know, just go get it checked out. If it's something... It can be sorted straight away. If it's nothing, well then everything's okay. But it's nothing worse than leaving alone for two, three, four, five weeks or even for a month, few months and all that. Next thing, a small thing develops into something bigger, like, you know. And you know, I know people don't want to hear the words, you have cancer, because yes. for men, for men as a whole, taboo. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to call a spade a spade, I know for a fact that if you're in a pub and there's four, five, six women in one corner and five, six men in the other corner, I can guarantee you the women will be talking about their bits and pieces and, you know, men in the other corners, they'll be talking about farming and football. Yeah. You know? Well, that's actually, no, no, no. If I was there, I'd be talking about football and no one would be listening to me, but sure. <laughs> I'd be over in the corner, in the corner with the men. Martin, you're such a positive person. Did you, though, well, at times, was there times when you did feel just a little bit low over the thing? Because I can't imagine, you know, the first time getting it and then the second time. I do. I, again, this part of the story, I remember um, when I was getting the chemo, and I had very intense treatment in chemo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, me, me, me family was saying, God, you're very positive and all that. Yeah. Which I was, like, you know, but when the third session came on, I had, uh, my treatment was like, um, 
every second week I was getting five days of chemo like you know so it's a full a full day of chemo from say 10, 10 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the evening time five days a week uh, for three months you know it's, I think it's week gone two weeks off week gone two weeks off for five, for three months and the third session uh, I got very very sick very down I wanted to talk to nobody mm. I didn't want to to, to, to listen to anybody and uh, I was very very depressed and I, I when I had I, when I was so sick now like mm-hmm. I was puking and I had the, the runs at the same time now which is not nice like you know that was the time I wanted to go and I'm not beating around the bush about yeah. it that was the time I just wanted to go because I could not take the pain anymore like you know and then a the funny thing happened and <laughs> it's a true story I get a phone call one of the evenings when I, when I was really low and I was crying at the time and and I get a phone call from a, a, a club in Cavan and I said I think it was at Cushlock and uh, they asked me so how things going I said oh not good at all not very bad I said oh grand grand and so, so I just wanted this we have training tonight at 8 o'clock oh, grand no problem what have you got? <laughs> All of a sudden, I had to step in a step, and I hopped in the car. It took about two hours to get up to down there, but it took me time, and I had done the train, and I gave me a bit of a yapping and all that. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being out of the house. And when I got home, I, I knew I overdone it a bit because I got sick again. But it made me realize, like, look, let's do something about this. Let's yeah. get out and, and, and move on. Let's go on. Let's where we go tomorrow night. Where we go the next evening. Like, you know, now some of you had to stay home. You were just too sick. Yeah. But it it made me realize, like, look, there is more to this. You can beat this. So if you if I get positive again, which I am deadly at, I'm I'm an idiot. But I I am so positive with life now. Um, I'm it's crazy. But that was the time I, I just I just moved on from it. Now that you have that uh, second burst, actually third burst, you know, um, you got tattoos. Anything else wild and wonderful that Martin McHugh wants to do? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm 50 next year, <laughs> so I, I love to go on a cruise. Burger and invite to that party now. <laughs> yes, everybody knows we will, will be invited to that now, just to, to, to get the dig in that I'm 50 years old. But look, I, I don't really 50 care. years young, sir. Yeah, sorry, 50 years young. But no, I think, Denise, like, um, to be honest, I, I look at life differently now. Like mm. it says, I work in Sligo Hospital. I'm a care assistant there. I'm there four years now. And I, I love working there. I love looking after patients. Um, my life as a whole, I just, I, I enjoy life now. I take each day as a come. I take each day as a bonus because, you know, to me personally, I get my checkups every six months and, you know, everything's okay. Thank God. But I'm always waiting for that, that line. Everything's okay, but, you know, and if, if it does, God forbid if it does happen, there's two ways to look at it. If, if God forbid if it, if it comes back, says, look, we found something and we can't do anything for you. You have six months to live or a year to live. What can you do? I'm just going to enjoy life. But as of now, I'm healthy. I enjoy my life. I enjoy working. I enjoy being involved with teams and all that. And I just really just in general, just, just enjoy telling me a story and go around the schools and companies and teams and all that. Just to hear, look at life, lads. Just enjoy it because... Tomorrow might will never come, you know. Yeah, because you you know you're you're so honest, and the thing about um your cancer battle, and you could have so easily went into that state of depression, and we still, even though you know this um you know it's okay not to be okay, and about talking, 
it's still a bit of a taboo subject, isn't it? You know, mental health. And you could have so easily slumped into that yourself. And it's all about telling young lads, as I said, your mental health, your general health. Talk, talk, talk. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, I always say it doesn't matter how small your problem is. Yeah. If you talk about it, it will help a lot. Because I find that like, if you have one small problem and you don't talk about it, that's fair enough. If you have another small problem, that's two small problems, and then three small problems, you're still not talking. Yeah. Next thing you could have a bigger problem, you just can't get back. You're in a hole, you can't get out of it, you know. Like, like I, I work in a hospital and I have different types of patients and I have people in there with, with problems and all that. And, like that, I take them in the room and we have a chat and a cup of tea. And, you know, there's a lot of people that need help out there. And it's not just about cancer. Like, cancer can be can be sorted out in one way or another, like, you know. But the whole mental health side yeah. of things, like, you know, if you just just talk to you, somebody, if you just make that step. And making that step is hard done because, like, for me, yes. I remember... When I when I told the lads in Clonkish, I said, lads, I have cancer, you know, and I says they got upset and all that, but then the slagging started. <laughs> they, they, they didn't, excuse the language, they, they, they took the piss of me. Like, you know? Of course, yeah. <laughs> but isn't that the way, you know, they say about laughter, isn't that what you have to do? But it's all about, you know, getting those out. And I think especially, and that's what I said about lads, and it's great to have someone like you that can go around to schools and talk about them because you're a guy that, you know, people can take the pee out of, but, you know, you're also serious as well, and just to tell them that yeah, talk. It, it, yeah, exactly, because the way the story comes out, like, it, 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 I tell them at the start, at the start like, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm not, I don't be around the bush about it. I'm going to be talking about my testicles and I talk about the prostate, and it all, there are too many main areas in men that they don't want to don't talk about. Don't talk about, yes. They don't. I mean, you imagine um, Tom and Michael and Patrick and, and, and John and Mickey in the corner of the pub. Talk, well, John, how's your Mickey? Like, that's not in the hundred years of that with lads talk about that. But I, I think if men realise it, just talk to your best friend. Yeah. This is, here, John, I have a small problem. Like, you know, if they make that first step, the next step then is, is gets easier and easier after that. Now, I remember my first talk was to my home school back in Ballinamore, St. Phelan's College in Ballinamore. And I, the night before, I was sweating with nerves and I was writing out notes. and Probably worse than any football match you played, was it? Oh, it was worse than that. Even the Connacht final, I wasn't half as nervous, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I was driving down to Ballinamore, I had these notes in my hand and all that, and I just threw them out the window. You know, and I said, right, I'm just going to tell my story as mm. it is. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, like, like men, just make that first contact, that that first sentence, can I have a word with you? Can I talk to you? You know, that's where it starts. And if they can make that first step, that would help a lot. You're a goalkeeper. Was it something you always wanted to be? Because I was always told, I played in goals, and I was always told, you know, you have to be mad to be a keeper. So. Oh, well, I'm mad anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm playing in goals all my life, um, even in the schoolyard before I even got to the playing field. Uh, we always had games as the boys against the girls, like, and it was time you'd be playing again, like, you'd be getting very little shots from the girls, like, so I decided, look, the boys would go with the, the boys against the girls, but I go with the girls and stand in goals, and. Oh, such a gentleman. I sure I know, yeah, but I, I got more action I play by, by saving shots and all that, and these days, like, you had a, a tarmac schoolyard, and, um, and, and I remember this fella coming running, and his name was, uh, Eamon Benison, and he's running straight through, and I dived straight out, took legs off, and told me, 
trouser of my knee and the teacher grabbed me by the ear and says, what the hell are you doing? And she says, miss, I didn't want him to score a goal on me. <laughs> That's how it started. But the very first session on the field, the, the manager at the time was named Pat Cole. Pat Cole was a legend in those days. And I think it was under 12 t- training and I was only 10 years old at the time. And there was about 20 of us there at the time. And Pat starts off saying, right lads, we're going to have a game here now. Who plays in goals? And all that, all the fingers pointed to me. So that's where it started down the old field in Ockham Shield and called the Shrine. And it was a, it's a field beside the river now. And let's just say now it wasn't the best of conditions now. So most times I'm not even home all mucky. Well, as I said, you do have to be mad. Any advice you would give? Billy is a lonely place. You know, you're the last line of defence. It's hard to get people actually to play in goals. Is there any words of wisdom you would give to any youngster, any guy or girl who uh, would like to play in goals or have questions about playing in goals? Well, I can't give away two of my secrets. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> They're for the book, aren't they? <laughs> no, any of the goalkeepers I work with, I just ask them, how do you feel? Because, mm. they, you know, a lot of people, they're, they're, I think a lot, in the, if you're in an underage level, a lot of players are putting goals. Putting goals, yeah, exactly. Either too slow or you don't have the skill for how feel like, you know. But I think uh, any advice I give is just do the simple things right. Um, don't be dramatic you, you, dramatic because you can improve that yourselves as the years goes on, go on. But the biggest thing keepers have to get over is when you do let in a goal. Yeah. You know, more times than not, it's not your fault. But sometimes you do make a silly mistake because our conference final in 1994, Mr. Fisher couldn't win for the one ball. He went through his hands, my hands, and back in the net. So, like that now, that's a huge mistake in 31st, 30 seconds of a major, major final. So, instead of me giving up to him and him giving up to me, we were always instructed that if mistakes happen, it's always the next ball. Yeah. It's always the next, your, your next move after that. Because if you dwell on your mistake, you're, you're either finished for the rest of the game or you're finished for the next 10, 15 minutes, you're dwelling on it. Mistakes are going to happen. Just move on. As always, next ball. That's the biggest advice I, I always give to keepers. You have played against and played with some uh, top players. Who would you say was the best? Oh, God. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, Jenny, back of my time. Oh, God. <laughs> um, look, in club level in Ockham-Sheelan, in, in um, a lot of lads have played against... Um, Back in my time, you had the, the Casey's from Arvaz. Uh, you had Hugh Gralton from Carrigan Shannon. These are my, in my day now, Denise, you know, this has come back about 25, 30 years. Um, with county level, I remember playing against Derry, uh, against Joel Brawley. Oh. Peter Canavan, Peter Canavan the Great. I, with the, we played against Peter in the All Ireland under 21. Uh, Peter Canavan and, and Pascal were the two lethal forwards of the day, like you know. Um, in Longford, you have um, got uh, so many of them against Longford. Park Davis. Uh, ah. I remember playing against Park Davis in the county final, and Park won't mind me saying this, but I saved a shot for him just before half time. Uh, Russ Gorman, I played against uh, Don Canellan now, uh, uh, Dermot Washington, uh, Shane Curran. Like, you know, over the years. Oh, good old cake, yeah. Yeah, Liam McHale, like, you know, so, like, there, there, there's a lot of uh, players. I played against who's the best? Uh, let's just say and whoever I saved the shots from. They were the best. <laughs> <laughs> At club level, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it for you, and um, we hold him in such high regard in Longford, Paul Barden. To be on the same field as him, to be working with him, what was he like? 
are the man. What can you say about Paul Barden? The only thing if I if you say about the man is they've gone all star. Yeah, no star. The, the, he was a serious, serious athlete. Uh, his manner on the field, off the field, he yeah. talked with passion. He always talked with pride, but he's a, such a gentleman. Yeah. You know, I don't think he ever had a row anywhere. Like, you know, the poor man, he'd be chopped down every game. Yeah. Right but yet he never retaliated, you know. I think David and Linda done that for him. Back them up, like, you know. But the Paul Barton, like, you know, like, the, you know, it's great that he's with Podge, Podge David yeah. there with, with the seniors, like, and that man will, has a wealth of talent. But like that, if he's with the, the, the Dublin team or Kildare team, he will have several All-Stars by now. And uh, that's what he hates for the All-Stars, that the look at the players that maybe get to semi-final. Yes, that's you know, exactly it. Football at the moment, Martin. There's so much talk of a tier championship and will it come? But then I was listening to the guys obviously on the Sunday games. They're just on about funding and everything. And, and that's where I think a lot of the time with the GA it has to start. There's not a level playing field as in when you look at the amount of funding that goes into the top counties and then when you see where Longford and Leitrim are getting the funding and how much they're getting. Yeah, I'm saying it for the last couple of years. Um on the funding side of things, if Crow Park are dishing out money, I think every county, no matter what size it is, should get the same amount yeah. of money. Whether it be 500,000 or a million, everybody should be given the same amount. If, if it's up to the counties that have that here to want to get sponsorship, that's grand, that's fair enough. You know, but if, if, the, if Crow Park are dishing out uh, 32 million, every county should get 1 million. Yeah. And that's it. You know, so everybody ha- has the same amount of money. And that if, they, if the counties want to do their own prep to get more money, like Roscommon did last year, or I think this year that they sold the house and all that. Yeah, Cavan are doing it as well, yeah. But Cavan are doing it to um, to fund a centre of excellence, which, you know, is a great idea. But as you said, you know, if you want to come up with your own little way of fundraising, but it has to be, it has to be a level playing field. And what for Martin McHugh? You've done the old coaching, you've Played the played the game, you know. Is there anything else? And you're doing the bit of punditry, you know. Any chance of you doing refereeing, even? <laughs> no, because I'll have everybody sent off. The field <laughs> <back>. <laughs> there may nobody left on the field if I is refereeing. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, as of now, I just I love doing what I'm doing yeah. now. Just uh, um, coaching the goalkeepers here and there and all that, you know. And and, and me free time, I give the talks and on me health and all that. And my story and, and a bit of punditry on really on Shannon's side as well. And look, I, I just keep doing what I'm doing. And you know, the, the boots are still in my bag, they're not polished off yet. yet. So I, I'm still waiting for the phone call. Is a look, we're shorty. Can you come up for a game of the weekend? So I'd be willing to do that as well, like you know. But, but uh, look, I, I keep going the way I am. Well, the great thing is, I suppose, you've never put a date on your retirement, have you, or a year? No, no, right. I don't even know what the mean retire, what the word retirement means. Like I said, I still, I still have to look it up. Like you know, but uh, <laughs> no, the over forties is a good crack as well because you're you're playing with lads that everybody's over forty. There's some lads that are freakishly fit that are forty three, forty four years old. Uh, but look, it's it's good crack, it's good banter, and and it's it's great for the lads that can that can't play much more club football, but love the the intensity of playing against other counties. You look at the legends. You look at um, you know the Liverpool legends and the Celtic legends and all those. So they'll have to get something now going. You know, maybe along for town yourself and Richie Parsons and Steve. Well, I suppose yourself and Stephen O'Brien and they'll be vying for top spot, uh, trying to get trying to get a, a, a legends team going, Martin. Just everything you've been through, I admire 
how you've come over it all. I love your honesty and if anyone wants to talk or if anyone needs to talk, I'm sure if you wanted to, I could pass on your information. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is the big thing I, I tell schools. Like, you know, when I leave the schools, I, I always make sure, like, if you have any questions, ask me, ask me now. Uh, some do. And then, you know, if you, if you don't want to talk to me now, and maybe pass your information on to the teacher that ring me, and that happened once or twice as well, like, you know, so, you know, they, you know, I don't mind anybody having a number if they, if, if they want to hear this, this podcast, they're going to hear the story mm. and maybe life and all that. And I said, oh, God, I, I love to talk to him or I love to get him and talk, yeah. talk to him. But like, it, I, I love to, I, I just, I love getting it out there. I don't want it to be my job. But I love every so often just get this phone call and say, here, can you come over to Sligo? Or can you come over to Cavan? Come over to Longford. Look, we have a team here. Give them a bit of a session and give, give them a talking after. And, and, and that's what I love doing. Well, we're looking ahead to next weekend. Of course, it's the third round of the qualifiers. Um, we've recorded this before, so we don't know the draw. So it could bring up some interesting draws. Then we look ahead to the games um, on Sunday. It's all hurling. Leash and Westmeath in the Joe McDonough Cup. Then the Leinster final, Kenny against Wexford, and then Munster, it's Tipperary and Limerick. So plenty of games to look forward to, Martin. I know Leitrim and Longford are out of the championship, but we can still sit back and, and relax. I'm kind of hanging on to my mammy's county calf, and so that's what I'm doing. Ah, yeah, look, the, the, the draws on the, the, this Monday morning, like, you know, and you have a lot of uh, interesting teams you mm. know, that uh, meet each other, like, you know, and then whoever gets that is just one more step and you're in the super race, like, you know, so. Thank you so much, Martin. Please, God, someone, as I said, uh, has listened to your story and, you know, is going to take the step to, to talk or even to go and get themselves checked out. You know, a couple of minutes might save your life. Well, that's what it is. Like, you know, for the sake of, of your 20 minutes, half hour, yeah. to make that phone call, go down to see the doctor and says, OK, I, I think there's something wrong here. And if it's nothing... You know, it's nothing, exactly. They'll, they'll, they'll nail it straight away. That's a good thing that they won't brush it under the carpet. Like, you know, if they find something, your next step after is, is uh, probably a checkup with, with the main doctor in, in the hospital. Like, you know, but more times than not, it's, it's nothing. Well, that's it. Well, listen, everyone, until next time... Slang of all.